Hola, mi gente. It's Joshua. As founder and host of the Basel podcast, I want to thank you for listening to this show where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community from La Isla to the diaspora. Let's be honest. Traditional media is not lifting up Puerto Rican stories that reflect the nuance and beauty that exist in our community. And we hope this show plays a little part in changing that. If you want to help us share the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here on Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. Subscribing helps more people find the show and will help you make sure you never miss an episode. Leaving a five-star rating or whatever the highest rating in your app is and showing some love in the comments helps too. You can always give a donation by looking up the Paseo podcast on SaveChicagoMedia.org. All right, that's enough from me. Enjoy the show. Bienvenidos. Hola, hola, hola to the Paseo Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Smizer de Leon. We are here and joined by the founder and president of the Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association, Scott Vargas. Uh, and we're also, actually, for people watching on our YouTube channel, you're going to notice our background's a little different. We're not in my home office. We're actually in Johnny's Ice House West, located on Madison in Chicago, Illinois. And they have a little bar here called the Stanley Club. Get drinks here. You can watch free uh, hockey games. And the drinks are pretty strong, too. It's a good vibe. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Johnny's Ice House uh, later on in the show because they've been so generous with this space, giving us the time to actually record here. So big shout out to Johnny's Ice House for their hospitality uh, as we record this episode. Um, but without further ado, Scott Vargas, uh, welcome to the Paseo Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well. I'm right. doing very well. Thanks for having me. Right on, right on. Actually, uh, we met the first time, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, because the Puerto Rico team was playing against the Chicago team. Did I get that right? I just saw Puerto Rican yeah. flags walked in and I was yeah. like, give me all the things. So Yeah, so yeah, Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association had, uh, you know, our, our first ever event that we hosted and we chose uh, the lovely city of Chicago to uh, do so. So we had uh, 105 players here um, split up across four different groups. Um, we had eight exhibition games of which uh, you got to witness. So Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association, you founded this organization in 2019. It's a nonprofit. Um, you, you essentially have, and I'll let you get into the semantics of everything, but authority over ice hockey coming out of the Puerto Rican community. For people listening, what should we know about the Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association? Yeah, so, I mean, Elevator Pitch, we're the sole governing body for ice hockey in Puerto Rico. Uh, with that, uh, that also uh, goes across uh, the Puerto Rican community worldwide. Uh, so a lot of uh, you know stateside Puerto Ricans like myself, like yourself, uh, who are you know encompassed in that. And uh, you know, in addition to that, you know, we really have uh, two main things that we do, and and one kind of feeds into the other. First, uh, we recruit, engage, and develop uh, ice hockey players. Um, you know. That means athletes that are already playing ice hockey, and, and that means athletes that have never touched the ice before. Uh, and then, you know, with that, we're looking to build uh, ultimately the national teams for Puerto Rico and, you know, set them on the world stage uh, within the, the governing body for ice hockey, which is the International Ice Hockey Federation. Um, for those familiar with, with other sports, you know, you might hear, um, you know, kind of FIBA with, with basketball or FIFA for soccer. 
um, or, or football. And, and in that case, you know, we're doing that same thing and we're looking to, uh, you know, enter the world rankings and, and work our way up and uh, really represent our, our nation. I remember um, early 2000s, there was the uh, Puerto Rican basketball team had beat the USA team in the, at the Olympics. I think it was Greece. And I remember feeling such a sense of pride because when you when you think about something like the Olympics, you're it's the one moment in time where Puerto Rico is actually acknowledged as its own entity, a separate from the United States. When I think about Puerto Rico, I don't think about hockey. Um, and it, when I was on your website, it looked like you had more than just effort behind building up a national team for something like the Olympics. You actually had a, a pretty wide variety of different types of hockey teams. So can you share a little bit of like what different hockey teams make up the association? You know, for me, it's, you know, it, it is in a sense a, a business, right? We have a, we're incorporated, right? We are still an entity, even though we're a nonprofit, but um, it's still emotional, right? And uh, really the birth of the association, it, it goes, you know, far back. But if I kind of fast forward and start where we actually took to the ice, uh, we weren't uh, formalized, right? There wasn't that corporate structure that actually came in 2020. Um, when we first took the ice, it was in 2019. And we had a team of uh, 11 players, um, you know, and speak to that 11 players, which included the goalie, right? So 10 skaters and one goalie. Um, Is that the can I interrupt you? I'm, yeah. ig I'm ignorant to hockey as yeah. a sport. I love watching it, but yeah. how many people are allowed on a hockey well, What's the max uh, that you can have on the ice? The standard is, is you'd have 18 skaters okay. and two goalies, one goalie obviously wow. playing and one on the bench. But so you had 11. We had 11 including total, the including the goalie. Wow. And, okay. Um, okay. you know, we, we competed in a, in a tournament that had other nations like Colombia, uh, Brazil, Argentina, and we were in the, the second division of that, that tournament. And um, for me, that was my first time like really playing, you know, in, in a kind of like tournament style competition since um, I had stopped playing in Finland. Um, and it wasn't the highest level of hockey I played, but it was the most fun I'd ever had playing. And, you know, to, to paint the picture further, like to create that kind of disparity from player to player, I was on the ice. I had my two brothers on the ice and my dad, who started playing hockey when uh, he was in his 30s. Uh, when I started playing, right, he's born in San Juan, uh, grew up in Levittown. And, you know, he was on the ice with me, right? So, you know, and he, he's recreationally plays in, uh, you know, a C League in, in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, for, for me to have the most fun ever playing with that, I think it created a lot of that, that synthesis for what the association is today, which you alluded to. It's not just those national teams. It's that larger community. And, you know, every week we have more people registering and it's another person from another city or another state that's saying, hey, I play ice hockey. I want to be a part of this thing. Right. So when we bring, you know, 105 people in one place. Yeah. I mean, it, from all, all places across the, the nation, we have members in 25 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico. So uh it, it's it's all over and you know the the reason for that is because you know we don't want to cut it just with the national team because quite frankly the the heartbeat of the association is some of those players that maybe aren't the most talented right they're those players that maybe were born on the island or more tied to the culture um you know and at the same time they're also they have kids that are going to eventually play and and we'd like them to be a part of the association as well if you're of puerto rican descent grandfather, grandparents, parents born on the island, you qualify to be a part of these teams. 
Yeah, so okay. we, we have two forms of membership, full membership, partial membership, and that's a very new thing. So I think some of our members don't even um, necessarily understand that. We're, we're trying to build some materials to make that easier to understand. But like, did you watch the, the Olympics here? I, I did, uh, yeah, recently? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Puerto Rico had, had athletes participating in the Winter Olympics. Um, we, had, we had two athletes and they uh, were, you know, representing Puerto Rico through the National Olympic Committee. Uh, which you referenced, you know, we have that independent entity and, you know, the rules are, yes, you could be uh, eligible through birth. So you're born on the island, uh, but you could also be eligible through heritage, which would mean uh, it goes back two generations. So either your parents were born on the island or your grandparents were born on the island. And then last but not least, it could be through residency, which means, you know, you're a, a permanent resident, you pay your taxes in, in, in Puerto Rico and, those are the three different levels. So we, we have players that, that hit all of those different uh, levels of eligibility that are a part of our association today. Right on. So looking at the makeup of the teams as they stand now, mm -hmm. what would you say the breakdown is from Boricuas living on the island and Boricuas in the diaspora? Would you say a majority is made up of diasporicans? or a majority of your teams are made up of people from the island, like living on the island? Yeah, for sure, mostly the diaspora. Mm -hmm. um, individuals living on the island make up today, if I do some quick math, uh, roughly it's just under 10% mm -hmm. uh, residents. Um, that split, some of them were uh, born in Puerto Rico, some of them moved to Puerto Rico, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we, we have 180 or over now, 180 registered members today. So a lot, large community. Do you think you have uh, a majority of diasporicans interested in the association because hockey is just such a big deal here in the U.S. compared to on La Isla? Because there's like two like two hockey rinks in Puerto Rico, yeah. right? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I mean, if you think about concentration, um, you know, at stateside, right? And then diaspora, you have Chicago, which we just hosted the event in. Second uh, largest concentration, you've got New York City or the New York metro area. I mean, you could even extend that to New York State, quite frankly, now, um, which is the largest concentration. You've got Philadelphia, that greater metro area, a large concentration, right? And then you've got Florida, which is a little more spread out. you got your pockets. you got Orlando. There's a, a decent presence in Tampa. you got South Florida, right? Um, so I, I think all of those cities, if you look at them, they've got NHL teams. And you think about, like, where I started, I'm a, I was born in 1991. The Tampa Bay Lightning started in 1992. My dad wasn't like, oh, Scott, play ice hockey. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, you know, he didn't even think right. about that, but we went to a game and I was just hooked, right? My mom had season tickets. She grew up in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So she had season tickets to Philadelphia Flyers games, right? right. Her, her dad, my grandfather, super passionate about ice hockey. He played. Um, so it kind of came in from that, that side as well. But, you know, being in that city where there is a, a team, I, it obviously plays a role. And, um, you know, on your second point, uh, you know, there isn't uh, an active ice rink on the island right now, at least not in the sense that there's a year round presence. Right. There's really been uh, two rinks, one uh, in Aguadilla on the, the West Coast that was uh, unfortunately hit pretty hard by by the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Maria. And, you know, the, the, the damages are extremely large to the point where, you know, there, there's a, a good reason to believe that that wouldn't be coming back, at least not the ice hockey part of it. Right. Uh, at least not the ice. 
Um, and then the other place is the, the Choloseo in San Juan. So they have ice making capability and um, they don't use it all the time, right? But uh, that is a, a permanent or could be a permanent rank. Likely won't because there's 16,500 seats, but maybe we can play there someday, right? Well, and that one in the ice rink in Aguadilla, that's not even a regulation ice rink, right? No, no. Yeah, so even if it were, even if the money was there to upkeep it, which we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to upkeep mm -hmm. an ice rink, right? I mean, we see people watching, you can see the Zamboni out here. Like, fuel for that ain't cheap. The labor for that ain't cheap. Uh, creating the ice is not cheap. I mean, keeping it cool here is not cheap. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're in the freaking Caribbean. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but even if all the stars aligned and they were able to upkeep that ice rink in Aguadilla, uh, it still would not be what it, players trying to get into the sport professionally would need. No, I mean, it's good from a supplemental perspective, sure. right? Even yeah. here at, at Johnny's West, there's a, they call it the annex rank. It's not a full size, but it's yeah. great for skills, right? It's great in a supplemental level, but it's not it's not regulation size in the sense you could have a, a, a standard game, yeah. right? It wouldn't meet the qualifications for the International Ice Hockey Federation if we wanted to host uh, a, a tournament yeah. officially. Um, and that's where, you know, the fact that the Choloseo does have uh, an op you know, opportunity to uh, host us, I mean, that's a huge thing. There's some nations, some islands in the Caribbean that don't have that, right? They don't have that currently, you know, uh, present facility. So we're fortunate in that regard. And I think we're a lot closer than some other, you know, developing nations because of that. Okay. This is a super random question. Cause I'm, I'm like thinking of the context of access mm -hmm. and you know, I said earlier, like when I think about sports in, in Puerto Rico, I'm thinking basketball, I'm thinking baseball. And when it comes to basketball as an example, I know Carmelo Anthony, big time Puerto Rican NBA player, part of his foundation is building, uh, basketball courts on La Isla. Mm -hmm. um, even like Viejo San Juan by La Perla, you can see a beautiful, um, oh, beautiful court that yeah. you know, his foundation built. Are there Puerto Rican NHL players? This is a super ignorant question. No, no, this is a great. No, I'm glad you asked. This is a great question. Yeah. There has been one player that we know um, that has made it to the NHL, um, and he actually got to play uh, with the New York Rangers. And we actually uh, did a little interview with him um, for the players before they came up here. You know, he was awesome at this time. His name's uh, Cristobal Nieves. Uh, he goes by Boo. Uh, it's a nickname. And um, yeah, he played for the New York Rangers. I mean, what? A, and he's from uh, New York in the, the Syracuse area. Yeah. But but to your point, I don't know that many people knew. So tell me a little bit more about because I do want to talk about your your uh, personal life and playing hockey and what got you into that. But I mean, you're aligned with the Olympic, gov the governing body that essentially oversees the Olympic teams. What goes into starting an association like this? I'd imagine it's a pretty big undertaking. I mean, you founded it. You're the president. I mean, can you like at a high level view, what were the steps that you had to take to make this idea a reality? Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, structurally, right. Mm -hmm. the, the first step is just starting the, the entity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the next big thing was really starting to understand, um, you know, what those requirements are uh, at that that world stage level, which again, like I, I referenced is the, the International Ice Hockey Federation, um, which isn't uh, very easy to understand. I think, you know, it's not like they put it out there with five simple bullet points, right, right. but um, <laughs> you know, right now, like for example, we've got our application pending with them uh, to become a part of, of that, that federation, right? And again, that 
like I said, is one of our goals. You know, we want to represent Puerto Rico in the best way possible, which we feel is uh, working our way up those world rankings. Um, you know, I think the the biggest, you know, steps there were, you know, what are those criteria to get to that point? And when we first started it, you know, I think like there's a lot of people are like, well, is that even possible? Right. Like, are you ever going to get there? And, you know, once we understood what those steps were, it was like, OK, you need to align with the National Olympic, uh, you know, Association. And in this case, um, that's COPER. And, you know, they have right now set up a, a federation which kind of acts as that umbrella for all winter athletes. It's the Federation of Puerto Rican Winter Athletes. And, you know, we aligned with them and, and it was a good fit because, you know, they're looking to grow and didn't have a team sport yet in the sense of this size. I guess technically um, bobsled could be a, a team sport. Um, you know, I guess there, there's a couple other ones, but in the sense of like a team sport, how, how we typically view it, um, you know, it didn't exist. So, you know, it's a really cool fit because we're bringing in now 180 members and, you know, we're trying to still find ways to connect with that community, which we haven't done necessarily yet. Um, but it's on our, our roadmap, right? Um, you know, but past that point, you know, the question was how, how do we structure to build something where we're able to create that, that funnel and bring players in? How do you identify people? We had 11 to start, right? And, you know, really it started with this bit of, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we just searched every which way possible, right? You know, how do you uh, reverse engineer, um, you know, a search engine to figure out what keywords can direct you to which player who uh, could be or is uh, Puerto Rican or has Puerto Rican heritage, whether it be Google or social media, right? Yeah. And once we were able to get some people through that activity and at least say, hey, this person could be Puerto Rican. Uh, okay, let's make sure they know that our social channel exists. And then if they were, they'd see it and they'd be like, same reaction you had. Well, what's going on here? Yeah. Puerto Rico ice hockey. So I I play ice hockey. I'm Puerto Rican. I want to be a part of that. You know, once we got that momentum, it, it became word of mouth. And right now, I mean, it's word of mouth. Yeah. You know, I just uh, met with someone else today. You know, they found out because two guys that played with us in October who had jerseys wore the jerseys to a pickup here in Chicago. And then he was like, what are you like? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, what did you, you made those jerseys online? And they're like, no, we played. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no way. You're joking. And yeah. and that's like how it is now, right? And and it spreads and spreads. And even after this last event, you know, some of our younger players that played, we had some people register and they said, hey, like I just found out about this. My friend so and so just played. We want to be a part of it. So that was that that middle ground. How how do you again re recruit players in the sense of finding those that are eligible to compete and grow that community, you know? And then the last step, which is kind of this phase we're in now, is how do you then structure this to, um, you know, maintain and 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 remain steady for years and years to come, which we'll we'll get a lot of that in the next following, um, you know, months. Um, you know, part of that goes with what we've already put into the application with the International Ice Hockey Federation, right? There's a lot of work that went into that, many, many documents. And now we're looking to leverage those documents we've already created to then build out the programming, right? How do we get our members together three times a year, right? We don't all live in the same place. Like I said, 25 states, Puerto Rico, D.C., all spread out. How do we get people together three times a year? How do we build more events like that? Um, with less, uh, you know, 
Scott Vargas doing things and, and more people integrated. And, and that was always the plan. And now, especially after this and, and being there and understanding every facet of that type of event, I think we're pretty prepared uh, to do exactly that. So looking at like the pool of talent out there with Puerto Rican nationality, uh, would you say that's probably been the biggest challenge, like trying to get the word out there that the association exists and this is an opportunity for people to really tap into if they have a love of the sport? Or is there another challenge that's been bigger since you've started uh, the association? I honestly don't think that was the biggest challenge because, like okay. I said, you get that that word of mouth effect and people are just absolutely passionate. Like when you take sports and then you take the pride of your culture mm -hmm. and you attach it to, I mean, that. That's something that's magic, right? You don't get that every time. You know, and that's why, again, I mean, this is so emotional. It's not, I mean, it's a product, but it, it's, you know, it's inside of each person and it means something different to each person. What I think of the biggest challenge is, is, you know, how do we then get that and, and turn it to a corporate level, mm. right? Sponsors. I mean, that is a challenge. That's a hurdle, you know, and, and I, I'm very aware, like, I put a, a, a submission or an inquiry in, or even a direct message to an individual that works with a corporation. What do they probably think? They see Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association, and they're probably like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> right?" Like that—that's probably the reaction, which which makes sense. But you know, that's why we're doing that ground level work to continue to grow the community. Because each time I reach out, I say, "Hey." I reached out last time. We had 100 members. Now we have 180 members, 25 states, D.C., Puerto Rico. It, hey, look, can we do something for you? Right. That's a challenge, though. You know, so if anyone listening has uh, anyone that would like to get involved, we'd love to hear from them and, and, and their business. Um, you know, I think the, the other challenge is, you know, how do we then uh, create that same network effect on the island? Um, you know, which, again, like I said, is one of our goals this year. And really that first goal is to just have a simple event and that could be simple it could be just ball hockey or like you said uh, the individuals that you grew up with playing floor hockey like can we just have a floor hockey clinic or even a floor hockey tournament you know and once that happens which at some level it, it's happened kind of before right there is field hockey on the island so there's some sort of parallel there um you know once that happens i think we can start to build that that up and um you know, the last one, the last challenge is obviously the, the, the big one, which is how do you build consistent programming on ice on the island, right? And I think, you know, it comes, uh, it's tertiary because you got to do the other two first, quite frankly. You've got to get the sponsorship uh, and then you've got to get the membership on the island. And then, you know, you can really start to uh, convert, you know, some of those opportunities that exist today. So what would you say, perfect world, all the stars aligned, everything is going as you envisioned it. What is the long-term goal for Bria um, in terms of ice hockey's development in Puerto Rico? Mm -hmm. What's the long-term, like, perfect scenario? Uh, just on the island or holistically? Mm. Yeah, you're making me second guess this question now, Scott. No, let's let's do let's, let's well, do we can break it down. We let's can do break it down. And the yeah. So I think yeah. you know, on the island, right? You know, from a from a energy perspective, a cost perspective, year round programming probably isn't it. But uh, if we work with those spaces that can create ice today, and we are able to create some sort of consistent programming year to year, what does it look like to have? 
two months or three months of ice in Puerto Rico, maybe 30 days. Maybe it's a quick league. It's 12 games. You know, what does that look like, right? Uh, what does it look like to then bring the team down there and have a weekend tournament every year, for, for example, right? Um, you know, and, and, and host people as fans that can actually come and, and attend that, right? Um, you know, I think that's uh, the, the, the goal there. Um, with that, the rest of the year, it's got to be built with programming that's in line, right? It, it, it has to be. Uh, and you can still learn a lot of the, the pieces to the game uh, with, that, with that part uh, of the sport, right? I mean, I think inline hockey is, like I said, um, you know, one of those gateways where a lot of kids grew up and really honed skills like stick handling on, uh, you know, an inline surface rather than ice. Um, you know, and, and with that, uh, you know, I think we, we have a year round programming and we can continue to attract talent on the island. And like you said uh, earlier, you know, there's you know, like Carmelo Anthony, what he did down there, it, it just sparked a lot of attention, uh, you know, towards that game. And, you know, even what he did with with uh, soccer. Right. I've heard great things about that as well. You know, even though, uh, you know, I don't know that the, the professional team necessarily worked out, but it, it sparked a lot of interest in that sport. And we've done a lot better as a nation in that sport recently. Um, you know, and then I think at an international level, you know, what does it look like for Puerto Rico to not only compete in the IHF, but, you know, really start to work our way up those rankings. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time watching every one of those divisions and I don't see any reason why with the talent that we have in our pipeline today, um, you know, many, many players that are under, you know, the, the, the age of 20, um, you know, in both men and women categories, uh, you know, I, I see no reason why we can't work our way up those rankings and, and be at least in the middle, uh, the thick of things. Right. Um, so I, I think that's the vision and that that's the direction we're, we're headed. And, um, you know, again, like I said earlier, all those other things, you know, how do we get everyone together the whole group three times a year, or at least give that opportunity three times a year. Um, but all that, that combined, um, Again, I mean, I think it's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Uh, it's something that that you know, hopefully comes sooner rather than later. Like I said, sending good vibes your way, man. I hope everything that you're working to towards comes a lot sooner than the timelines that y'all have set in place. Okay, um, Scott's been great talking to you. For people that are listening, watching, that want to keep up with the association, learn more, maybe they want to volunteer or support the association. How would they be able to do that? Give us all the ways people can you know, stay in contact with, with your organization. Yeah, for sure. So website, uh, www.puertoricoicehockey.com. Uh, Instagram is at Puerto Rico Ice Hockey. Facebook is uh, slash Puerto Rico Ice Hockey. Um, you know, and, and, and those are really the best ways. You know, the more people that follow us, the, the easier it is for us to get new information out. Um, you know, we'll be playing again uh, at least one more time uh, this year, we'll be playing in September down in South Florida at the LATAM Cup. Um, you had a gold medal with the women's team uh, last year and hoping to build off of that success, uh, bring some some more gold uh, home. And um, yeah, I mean, that that's that's the best way. I love it. OK, well, that's all. I That's all the questions I have for you today. Um, shout out again, Johnny's Ice House for hosting us. Really appreciate the space. Again, we're in the Stanley Club the number one bar in Chicago to watch hockey live. Um, Scott Vargas, 
president and founder of the Puerto Rico Ice Hockey Association. Thank you again for being on the Baseo yeah, thank podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Right on. Hey there. We want to take a moment to thank our partners, the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago and the Chicago Independent Media Alliance for their support. This show would not be possible without them. And shout out to our amazing podcast team. Learn more about them and the show by visiting our website, paseomedia.org. Enjoy the rest of the show. Special thanks again to Scott Vargas for making time for us. Uh, We last recorded this episode in June. A lot of what we spoke about with Scott in this episode has come to fruition for the Puerto Rico ice hockey team. The association uh, performed really well at the LATAM Cup, which Scott mentioned towards the end of our conversation today. And uh, they won the Division One title. So all in all, they came away with two gold medals, uh, a silver. And again, the men's team ended up uh, beating Argentina, I believe, for the D1 title. Uh, the uh, Puerto Rican Ice Hockey Association was also accepted into the International Ice Hockey Federation. So really dope stuff there. I should also mention uh, in our gratitude to Johnny's Ice House, uh, specifically Johnny's Ice House West, Uh, Both the West and East location are great spots. I especially like Johnny's Ice House West. I used to live right behind there. I would go there with my wife all the time to catch some free hockey games, enjoy some some bar food, some good drinks. It was always a good time. So really grateful for them to have us there. Uh, I wanted to also say if anybody is interested in learning more about Johnny's Ice House, check out their website, johnnysicehouse.com. If you're interested in adult programs, they have adult leagues. They have um, instruction programs. uh, like hockey instructors. So if you want to learn how to how to play the game, uh, they also have different skill sets um, that make up their leagues. So beginners, elite players, uh, there's a really nice mixed bag there. And for the younger kids, they have all types of uh, youth programs starting as early as age two. So definitely check out their website. Lots of really cool stuff they have. It's a great facility. They have multiple uh, ice hockey rinks. Uh, it's definitely worth a visit, if not um, looking into some of the programs that they offer. Can't speak highly enough about Johnny's Ice House. So you can learn more at uh, johnnysicehouse.com. Looking ahead to the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Young Lords, uh, their origins, their roots here in Chicago, their impact, and a number of other Young Lords related topics. And uh, we're going to have two guests joining us. We're going to have Jose Chacha Jimenez. He's a political activist and the founder of the Young Lords organization. We're also going to have Dr. Jacqueline Lazu. She's an associate professor and associate dean at the College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences for DePaul University. She's also who I credit with really building and maintaining the largest Young Lords archive, uh, especially it's only fitting. Uh, that that is done out of DePaul University, specifically since DePaul University is based in uh, Lincoln Park here in Chicago, where uh, that neighborhood was predominantly a Puerto Rican neighborhood. Uh, and the Young Lords were definitely um, uh, a strong presence in that area during their, their peak years. So we have two great guests, and I can't wait to share that episode with you all in a couple of weeks. Until then... Give us a five-star rating on whatever app you're listening to this on. Uh, If you want to leave a a nice comment, those are always helpful too. Uh, But specifically, subscribing, uh, uh, giving us a high rating all helps people find the show. It really does make a difference. So if you get the time to do that, please do that. If you have a question, you want to be featured on the show, you want to pitch a story, you can do that at Baseo 
podcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, basilmedia.org, and submit a, a, a story, a recommendation, what have you. You can do all that there. And if you're not following us on social media, I don't know what's wrong with you. Do it. Uh, at Basel Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, which, which in a couple of days, you'll be able to see the video of the interview uh, on our YouTube channel. But you can find us youtube.com slash Podcast on there as well. Uh, in terms of the news in Puerto Rico, before we sign off, uh, just a few things I want to throw out there. Um, some, some stories you should be looking into. There's a lot of stories, so this isn't everything. But some of the recent stuff since, um, you know, looking at the stories around when this episode is going to be posted. Uh, one thing was that a group of over 100 migrants were stranded by human smugglers in Puerto Rico. Uh, the group included children and pregnant women. It's looking like they were brought there on rickety homemade boats uh, that the smugglers were using. So uh, authorities are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Um, but essentially, um, a lot of these migrants are awaiting help on Mona, uh, which is an island uh, that's part of Puerto Rico, um, just off the coast. It's just awful situation. Um, can only imagine what, uh, those migrants must be thinking with them is going, what they must be going through. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they get the support and the care that they all deserve as human beings. Uh, another story, this one was from the Associated Press. I should mention the previous article was from the Guardian. If you want to look up that article about the migrants, uh, being stranded. Um, but the Associated Press also released an article uh, that is titled Puerto Rico struggles to recover after hurricane raised crops. Um, the short of it is hurricane Fiona destroyed 159 million worth of crops in Puerto Rico. Um, that's, that's the latest number we have. So what that means is the decimation of fields of, of plantains, uh, bananas and other crops. Uh, the art, this is all what the, um, La Isla's uh, agriculture minister has said. So, uh, La Isla's the uh, agriculture industry is very fragile. So this comes as a huge hit uh, to its sustainability. In the Garden City Telegram, we've talked about this story uh, a number of times, but the uh, telescope in Arecibo, uh, it's, it's not going to get worked on. Uh, the United States has opted not to rebuild the world-renowned uh, telescope. Uh, the National Science Foundation announced that this uh, past Thursday. So uh, this radio telescope is no more. It's been in movies. It's helped progress science and the study of the stars forward. Um, you know, it was, it was the, one of the world's largest radio telescopes until its collapse over two years ago. So really sad to see that the investment's not going to be made to rebuild it. And last thing on a high note, uh, we talked about sports in this episode. Well, Aldia reported that Wisin and Yandel uh, bought a baseball team in Puerto Rico. So now they're the co-owners of Los Criollos de Caguas, the top champions of the Roberto Clemente Professional Baseball League. So kudos to Wisin and Yandel. Uh, really glad to see them making big moves in the sports world. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did or didn't, let us know. Uh, until then, I'll see you in two weeks. Cuídate.